Episode disclaimer, I apologize ahead of time as some of the audio does get kind of wonky at times. On this very special episode of the Big O Podcast, I am joined by one of my all-time favorite people, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Cabby Richards. We talk about his start as an intern at The Score and the reasoning for his non-traditional interview style. For most of the sports watchers of my generation, he changed the game for how we got to know our favorite athletes, how we took in sports highlights, and broke the mold for sports reporting. Please enjoy this very special episode of The Big O Podcast. up everybody i'm your host julian ortiz this is the big o podcast and today my guest joining me is none other than cabby richards cabby how you doing buddy i'm wonderful sir wait so now does the big o podcast stand for the big offensive like or or like the big oliver miller because i'm a chubby dude i don't know if you're chubby i don't think so so is it offensive or is it oliver miller (laughs) <laughs> it's actually neither i could have gone with with being one of the chubby dudes but uh no ohana it's uh, it means ohana so uh, the the whole idea about this podcast is that i'm gonna have people on who are either friends family or people of interest that have affected me in my life somehow um once i had our two girls the idea of family really sort of changed for me and i really started to be a little bit more particular about who we had in our lives that were more bringing the positivity rather than all that negative stuff. I love that. Gotta yeah. take inventory of that. Love it. And this is, I'm not sure when this is gonna be posted, but this is a great time to do it because we are obviously physically distancing ourselves from others, but then you can also cut out all that negative energy out of your life as well. I mean, I'm sure you did it before this, but this is also a time for people listening or watching as a little reminder to do that themselves. Yeah, it's, it's definitely helped for sure um, because, yeah, you're sort of forced to keep your distance from everybody. It makes it hard for those who you do want to connect with. But, I mean, you find ways with, you know, Skype or Zoom or or drive-by hellos. You know, like you, you make it work. Um, but it's definitely easier to sort of say no to certain things that maybe you were obliged to do before. So it's, uh, it's definitely helped with that. So I've been good with that. Now... Excellent. I do want to start by doing a little bit of a sort of interview process. I got some questions, go back and forth, because not all of our my guests or all of my listeners are going to know exactly who you are. For the most part, they are. I've gotten a lot of DMs about you being on the show, and a lot of people are super excited. Um, but I did want to talk about how you got started, because I guess how this ties back to me is when I was growing up, I found it a little bit hard to, I guess, identify with some of the people that I was seeing on TV reporting sports. So we had, you know, Ahmad Rashad, we had maybe Dave Amber, maybe Stuart Scott, but nobody in my sort of relative age range, those guys were all older until Cabby on the street. So, so, so when you started, you started as an intern, I guess, at the score, right? Correct. Yeah, I was I was an intern and I was studying at Ryerson, taking radio nice. and television, and I was just a loud knucklehead, and I wormed my way in there somehow with uh, Admin Burke, who was the opposite of me, but can tell a great story. 
And uh, yeah, we started as scriptwriters along with Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sixero, Ryan Payton. There was like 10 of us who were writing scripts for Greg Sansoni and um, and Mark Hebsher, excuse me. And this is this was in 98, so the, I'm, okay. I'm dating myself here, but that's how long ago it was. And we were 19 years old, 20 years old, and a bunch of the young people at the score were either, were somewhere between 20 and, tw- and 28, and then there were a couple of, of executives that were like 40, but it was generally a very young workplace. So our boss, Anthony Ciccioni, could take chances with who he put on the air and what he put on the air because A, we were an upstart. So upstarts, like many startups, are just you're trying a bunch of things to see what sticks. And right. I got lucky in my little segment stuck. And I mean it was it was definitely interesting. Your entertained first sort of attitude get to, you know, the fun bit of sports reporting was something that a lot of people, especially my age at the time, I think I I would have been in high school when you were when you were at the score, I mean, we loved it because it was something new. It was something fresh. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Darren Detition. Like, I love all of those guys, but they sort of fit a certain, a mold. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you've brought a very fresh perspective. And sometimes, you know, maybe that got you in a little bit of trouble with certain people. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. And I appreciate you saying that. It was and, and, like, it wasn't an intentional thing on my part. Actually, well, sorry, let me, let me pull back a little bit. I never wanted to be on the desk, nor did I want to be like a traditional field reporter. So going to cover the Jays every day or going to cover the Toronto Maple Leafs. I wanted to cover like all sports and I was just interested in the athletes, not so much the storylines or the winning streaks or any kind of controversial things. I just wanted to connect with the guys. And I wanted to show their personalities and have fun with them because that that was the most fun to me. So that's how I that's what I went out um, aiming to prove or aiming to do. And I think I mean you hit the nail on the head with that kind of style because it was a very fresh perspective. And then we got to see a different side of athletes because this is all way before social media was as booming Thank as God. it is now. Um, but I, but I, but I think you were, you were that first step where we got to see a different side of some of our hometown Toronto Raptors, whether it was Vince Carter, whether it was, you know, Chris Bosch, whether it was through different sports. I mean, you, if you go down the list of, of athletes that you've had an opportunity to, to interview, I mean, it's really a who's who of dream candidates for most people. Yes. And, and I've been very lucky in that regard. Some people didn't like it, but others when, they, when they let their guard down and then let me just be annoying and whatever, it, uh, and I hoped it made it more enjoyable for the audience and let like the audience get to see what they look like. So, I mean, you're in Canada. Like the first time I got Sidney Crosby to laugh, I've never heard his laugh before because he's a straight and narrow guy. And he had all the pressure of his entire sport on his shoulders at 18 years old. He's like, you're the next Gretzky, you're the next Gretzky. Which I can't imagine what that must be like for an 18 year old kid. But then when I got him to laugh, it's like, it's a great response to get from someone, like something stupid out of my mouth causes another person to laugh. (laughs) But certainly when there are certain uh, athletes of a a particular status level, um, whether it's their their elite playing or just like their popularity, sorry, their elite performance or their popularity, that felt even more special. I I once got 
um, Pedro Martinez, not, not to laugh, but I got him to play along with one of my stupid gags. <laughs> and this is in 2003. And he was with Boston. This is just before they won the title in 2004. And I got like a pitching gun, uh, like a radar gun. And I asked him to, to, do a, to a conduct a pitching contest with me, like a, on the radar. And we threw with our left hands. Pedro Martinez is a righty. I'm right, right-handed yeah. as well. I threw 30 on the gun. Pedro threw 60 on the gun. I can barely register 60 with my right hand, but he threw 60 with his left. I'm like, that's how talented he was. And and he was he was maybe the first person I ever used a prop with because like props were like I, I became a staple of my interviews because I always wanted us to be doing something right. while we were talking about whatever it was. Um, and um, I'm gonna try to think of another one like early in my career that um, that really resonated for me because I got them to uh, oh like, like Alan Iverson who was you know he was probably the most popular him or Shaquille O'Neal most popular well Shaquille O'Neal was probably more famous but very famous in his day and we're on this Reebok uh, commercial shoot and uh, I got him to wear these sunglasses that I brought. And he, I was like, uh, you know, like, I, what kind of comic book character are you? Are you like a Spider-Man type or Wolverine, whatever? Are you like Superman? He's like, I'm Superman because I take down giants. I'm like, you do. So actually, I mentioned Wolverine. And then later he's like, yo, let me see those Wolverine joints. I, like, I gave him these like, sunglasses. And he was, so it felt like it felt cool that he was using something that I brought and then he used it in the commercial or in, in like the, the photograph. So. That is like very, very rewarding for an idiot like me. Now you got you got Pedro Martinez. Like I want to bring it back to that because that's about one year before I became a big diehard Red Sox fan. Oh, so wow. I was okay. so d- despite the despite the LA, ignore that. This is yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. where I was where I was born. But I've been a Red Sox fan since they were able to take down those New York uh, New York Yankees down three games to nothing. And I fell in love with them mainly because they were the underdogs. And who doesn't love a great underdog story? But you had that group of idiots, right? You had Pedro, who was a funny guy. He got in trouble for saying, you know, the New York Yankees are his daddy. So, I mean, again, this all sort of ties together. You had Kevin Millar. You had Manny Ramirez. You had David Ortiz, who was the proxy for the team. Kevin Millar was amazing because Kevin Millar would do the interviews. When everybody wanted Manny and Manny did not talk to the media, they would talk to David Ortiz and they would talk to Millar and and sometimes Johnny Damon, and they would be the spokespeople for the team. I'm not going to lie, on my iPad, I will forever and always have the link to Four Days in October because I found it on a site. And it stays on my iPad. I never get rid of it because that's my favorite 30 for 30 to ever watch. And anytime, you know, something, I think I probably watched it maybe 20 times since the quarantine started. Just, I love it. It's just, it's it's just a great, it's a great movie. And it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to remember, right? Because it was, it was such a simpler time. Now we're getting caught up with all this COVID-19 stuff and, you know, the NBA is on hiatus, MLB's on hiatus, NFL wants to get started, you know, UFC's going to get started. I mean, everything is sort of just in chaos. And during this time, it's always great to reminisce. I mean, the score and Sportsnet and TSN, they've all gotten together to do either old articles or reliving, I believe it was the the Raptors run to the oh, NBA championship yeah. last year. So exactly. So I mean, TSN and Sportsnet combining—that's like that's a huge thing for to go across the broadcasts 
and networks to, to sort of team up to, to accomplish that for their Canadian fandom. But I want to go back to what you said about there were certain times where people didn't like the up close and personal in your face style of interview that you had and maybe give me like maybe what were the two guys or two athletes that just weren't you don't have to say why they didn't like it but maybe just the two athletes who weren't such a big fan um i I got more resistance from the other media at the beginning because the other media was like crusty like (laughs) mid 40s 50s very like wearing crappy golf shirts and terrible (laughs) new balance sneakers and they're like how does it feel to be what like their questions were how does it feel what are you guys gonna do to to win the next game game and then the athletes would just give them cliche upon cliche upon cliche right so and then covering hockey i was the only person uh that looked like me. There was uh, a writer named Tarek in Washington and Eric Stevens in the LA Anaheim area. Those are like two black writers. And then there's me, 25 years old, chubby, wearing baseball caps, sneakers. I'm talking about sneakers. I'm talking about going out to restaurants, girls, like all this stuff. Some stuff I couldn't talk about now because yeah. we're more involved. <laughs> but back then it was a little bit more of a wild west situation. Um, so people didn't like the style. And as far as athletes go, I remember um, oh, this dude played for the Rangers. He played for the Rangers. He won a Little League World Series when he was 12. He's a pretty accomplished hockey player, an American. Oh, and he played for the Avalanche and the Rangers. Jeez, um, I can't remember his name. Oh, okay, let me, let me move on to someone else. The, um, oh, man. It's a tough one. It's a tough one because for you know for the most part we see all the great ones. Yeah, and, see, I, and I'm going to show like I would show the audience the best clips, not like parts where someone's yeah. yawning or yeah. like they're bored by what I was asking. Like those things never made the never saw the light of day. Those were on the the cutting room floor. That's right. <laughs> um, man, I know oh, Amari Stoudemire once oh, okay. lost his shit. Excuse my language. That's okay. We're in Phoenix. It's all good in uh in the locker room and it was just my my producer my man Dean, myself cameraman amari stoudemire and then leandro barbosa sort of came walking in towards the end. <laughs> and raja bell told me that amari stoudemire was the player was the teammate that lost the most money on the team playing playing cards so i brought it up and i made fun of one of his tattoos and i was like <laughs> oh is that the tattoo you had to get because you lost or 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 i referenced like I think he had maybe some like money or something on his arm, and then I referenced the exact the money that you lost in these card games. He's like, "What? The <laughs> FUE, man? Comes to the questions of these, man." <laughs> and then Barbosa kind of start walks into the dressing room. He's like, "LB, what kind of stupidness is this, man?" And I was like, so uncomfortable, <laughs> and I just left the room. I was like, "Yeah, I'm out." So it's I've been put on blast a few times. Chris Paul's another dude. Like halfway through, I'm, like, I'm at like minute two of the interview. Chris Paul's like, are you going to ask serious questions? I'm like, these are serious questions. He's like, these, these, I said, these are serious questions to get to know you. Right. Uh, and, he got, and he looks over at his coach. I think it was Alvin Gentry, maybe. He was, he was with the um, New Orleans Hornets at the time. Right. And he just shook his head like in disgust. And then 
And then like, it just ended a few seconds later. I don't know if he got up and walked away. Or I was like, all right, man, thanks for your time. Cause as soon as it goes sideways and yeah. there's, a t- there's a change in tone and, and attitude, then I'm like, all right, let me just cut my losses and right. then just get out of here. Cause I, I'm not, even though I do produce some awkward moments, like if I'm hugging Michael Jordan and my face is on his chest, like I can hear his heart beating because his heart is like on my eye socket. Then I'll try to live in that moment as long as possible, as long as it's playful. But if right. it's like uncomfortable, like it could be not acrimonious, but it could get like um, negatively uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let me let me get out of here because I'm not trying to piss anybody off intentionally. Just right. sometimes some guys just are just not into it. My style is not for everyone, and certainly audience-wise, it's not for everyone either. No, for sure. And I mean, I guess going into knowing that fine line between, you know, this is going well or this could take a really bad turn. I mean, your history with, you know, Kobe, rest in peace. um, You know, you guys produce some of the greatest clips ever. Thanks, man. And I don't want to tarnish it by saying, you know, was Kobe playing up to it a little bit? But I have to imagine for you to get, you know, interview four, five going out to L.A. that there had to be some sort of, you know, mutual respect around what you were trying to accomplish and what he was going to give you at the same time. Um, I suppose he- it was never said verbally, but I suppose because he's like he knew what I was about. Like, OK, this guy's just trying to have fun. This yeah. guy's not asking me anything controversial, not asking, not really even asking me about games per right. se, so that then athletes just default, sorry, they default to their, I call it robot mode, and that robot right. mode I loathe, and I try my best. <laughs> like Kyle Lowry, I've interviewed him maybe 10 or 12 times. There, there will come a, a moment in the interview where he'll start hitting me with cliches, and his favorite cliche is at the end of the day which I don't really like. So, so I will say like, you know, are you going to hit me with at the end of the day? And then he'll be in the middle of a sentence and then he'll be like, well, because at the end of the day, X, Y, and Z, and then at A, B, and C, I'm like, again with the, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, well, because at the end of the day, and he'll just repeat it. Right. Just to get me. But with Kobe, um, early on, uh, he just recognized that, he can let his guard down and he decided to, he didn't have to because, but I think it helped that I was Canadian. It helped that I was fat (laughs) and and like, and I didn't dress or sound like a reporter. I very much immersed in hip hop culture. We listen, I'm saying we, like Kobe and all these athletes, we listen to the same music. It was Jay-Z, it was Kanye, it was T.I., whatever. Um, and we didn't all dress the same. I didn't, I definitely don't have the bankroll that some of those guys had, but we're all of the same culture. So that helped too. That yeah. helped me time. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, going back, like I said, I messaged you a little while ago and I said, you know, my wife was wanting to hear or wanted to see all these things that I was talking about when I said, you know, I might be doing the podcast with Cabby and you know, he's got these really funny clips and going back and watching them now, like 10 years later, maybe even more it's still just as funny now as it was back then. Cause I remember being in the living room or in my room or whatever, watching it on either a Monday nights when you're doing plays of the week, when you had your caddy on the street segment, whether it was court surfing, like you, you were, you were so 
connected when you were with the score. I don't want to say that you weren't when you moved to TSM, but I'm, I'll, I'll admit something right now. It's kind of like when Gretzky got traded to the Rangers. It was like, you know, you know, you know, he's talented, but it's just not the same when he's Oilers or Kings. You know what I mean? And this is not to say anything against TSN because I love TSN to death. It's just, you know, when you see your favorite player get traded to another squad or move on to another squad, part of you just like, oh, man, I, I miss those those good old days. Now, Cappy All-Stars was fantastic. Thanks, man. You still, you still kept up everything. I loved, I loved the games. It, it, your, your style definitely transcends to what a lot of people are actually trying to do today. And they say the ultimate form of flattery is imitation, right? And there are a lot of people now with either social media or even news reporters. I mean, I love Jay and Dan. They've sort of gone down that road of comedic sportscasting. They don't yes. take themselves too seriously. They want to have fun with it. And it sort of reminds me of like, it's a different era. We're in a different era now with the way sports is sort of represented or reported. Everyone's so serious, but there's so many people who either work now as independents that are getting the inside scoops. And now there's, it's just so saturated with media that when you have someone who stands out like yourself, even, even now at Bleacher Report, like it is, it is fantastic. Now I want to say just, I mean, again, a great job that you've done, but I have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to reject that Gretzky comparison. I'm going to say <laughs> okay. I was more like Gretzky that, that half season with St. Louis, oh, the blues, yeah. <laughs> like those three months that was like my entire, uh, career at TSN. Just, <laughs> I was like, I was trying to get back to those, those glory days, but they didn't, quite get there but uh let's have our let's have it out tell me about this all right so i've been doing hoodie happy hour for the last few weeks yeah yeah and i sent you a script now i'm not normally the guy to send a screenshot and i love the idea of hoodie happy hour trivia questions over under get six right you get a hoodie for me it's not about the hoodie it's me trying to be the best i can at answering these questions i sent you for the first time Yesterday, my response to one of the questions, which is, what is Darrell Revis's nickname? And yes. the guy you let on called him Regis Island. Yes. And I sent, you the, yes. Yes. Yeah, Regis. I, I sent you the screen grab. I was too ahead of him. And oh, you, you were? The wrong. Yes. That's okay. Because <laughs> here comes the redemption. So I've been doing this. Only Monday to Thursdays, because I know those are the days you do it. Fridays, you sort of take off, which I'm totally cool with. So today, I'm getting ready to put my oldest daughter down to sleep for the night. And I totally forget. I'm like, oh, man, it's hoodie happy. I know Cabby's not there, but let me just try. So it's like 7.48. I just turn it on. He asks, uh, the host asks a question. I answer, then I hit like request to go live and then it pops back up on my screen and I hit request again. The next thing I know, I'm live you're on in it. Hoodie. Yes, you're I'm in, in the it. game. Yeah, you and Peru, and it's Peru yes. Bose who holds our yeah. Fridays. He, he was a very nice guy. I mean, we, we had it out too because I had my Dodger hat on. He had his San Fran hat on. So yeah, we had yeah, a, yeah. So we had a little chat about that. But man, I got roasted in the comments because About I was what? making I was making milk for my daughter and they thought that I was washing dishes. And let me just tell you, the fan base of BR betting, 
They're ruthless. Yeah, they are. They are the rabbits. You're right. Savages. Yes, yes. Just straight up savagery. You're, just, you're absolutely correct. Yes. Just ridiculous. Now, I'll, I went four for four. I lost out on the fifth one. It was a Leo acting question. I thought I had it. I was, I was super excited, but I have to admit it was a lot of fun. But I am going to say, you know, I'm going to keep you on your toes from now on. If I don't get, if I'm the first one, it's hard to get in there, number one. And when you are number one, you don't get picked. I mean, it's I mean, some guy with Regis, Regis Island, not even Revis, but Regis Island. I mean, that, that hurts my heart. That hurts my heart a little bit. Well, I, I gave him a pass because the letter G and the letter V on the keyboard are right next to each other. So he. You're, you're um, a good guy. I mean, you, you're, defi- you're definitely willing. Well, you're definitely willing to admit when, you know, some guy got a right answer. You go back and say, listen, we'll get you in on the next one. But I've been telling all my friends about this recently because it's so much fun. Like whether it's. Today I got movie actors, not really sports related. It was an over under on age that they were in the movie. Oh, okay. So nothing to do about sports, but I, I did pretty well. Leo, Leo screwed me up a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but it, but it was a lot of fun, and I've been telling a lot of people about it. And well, that was the, the people at Bleacher Report are also fantastic. I sent like a like a funny message when I had to DM my my results in or my uh, my information. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I said, you know, long distance call from Canada. Just do you accept the charges? And they were very <laughs> playful. They were, they were really they were really good about it. So I mean, it's 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 been a lot of it's been a lot of fun following you through that. Now Thanks. we've for the last couple of weeks gone back and forth about you know the different sports and the quarantines and and what's going to sort of happen. And now, I mean, that was probably the beginning of March, we started talking and now we're at a point where we're starting to see some plans sort of take place and come to fruition and, and seeing what they think is going to happen. And the NBA recently had an article come out where it said NBA execs and player agents are looking to cancel the season. And almost within five minutes of this, LeBron James goes on Twitter and says, that's not happening. Nobody yeah. wants it. I've, I've heard this. What are, what are your thoughts on on the NBA considering shutting down the season because they don't want it to affect the 2020-21 season? Well, I think that's Adam Silver listening to heads of science and the people in the medical field. And he is taking his cues from not from politicians, not from people that – I mean, his, he has to answer to the owners of the clubs because he's the commissioner, but – as far as public health goes and the health uh, of the players, he said many times they're just going to listen to the medical professionals. So, I mean, if they're, you hear different things. You hear the mayor of LA, uh, Mayor Garcetti, say there's going to be another wave of the coronavirus. Right. Uh, and that's scary because who knows how long that one will last. And, last. and you see different pockets because every state is on its own timeline. You For see sure. different states issuing stay-at-home orders some don't some people are you know storming the michigan government building fully <laughs> yeah. armed some yeah. people are, are like which is another story you know <laughs> some people are flooding the beaches so uh listen in all the four in all the sports the owners are losing money the networks yeah. aren't spending money on games they're not broadcasting and the networks are not earning um, revenue from the advertising that they're not showing on their um, live broadcast. So, and then the players aren't getting paid because the owners aren't getting paid. So, or they're, they're guaranteed to a certain amount, right. but people want to return to some level of normalcy. 
So I commend Adam Silver for not rushing things. And the NBA is very much the leader of all the four major sports. It was March 12th when Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus and then Donovan Mitchell a few an hour or like later that night or something, yeah. the league's like, that's it, you know? We're done. And then all the other leagues started to follow suit. You saw college basketball follow suit, NHL hockey, and then baseball didn't start its season. It was it was in spring training, but I think they suspended spring training activities. But there is hope. And as you mentioned, I, I believe uh, auto racing is going to start. Uh, they're do, I think they're doing three races in a row in, in May. Um, you mentioned... In a conversation, Dana White is 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 like <laughs> playing out the the opening scroll to Mortal Kombat with this fight right. doing That's three right. fights in a week. Um, what else is uh, being proposed? Uh, TNT or so so uh, Bleacher Report and TNT are owned by the same parent company, which is AT and T. But they're doing the match: Phil versus Tiger at a course in Florida. I think it's Tiger Woods's course in Florida with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Uh, that's an exhibition, but that's that's moving forward. That's um, May 24th, I believe. So things are probably, and then there's there's the Bundesliga and uh, the Premiership that might yeah. return this month, but they're waiting. Uh, Germany, I think Germany, I believe, has been the leader in uh, or one of the one of the world leaders as far as how it's handled the pandemic. Yeah. And that league is waiting for the government to say, okay, you can you can start to resume your activities and obviously there's got to be a bunch of testing and retesting of the players, yeah. the trainers, everybody involved with the sport. But so fingers crossed, we're going to, we're, we're in this new normal, which is very odd. Obviously we're in the, still in the middle of the pandemic. So it's going to take some getting used to, but sports fans like us, we're just, we're just dying to, to, to consume sports again. And the, the appetite is very rabid. It's just not, it's just not what we're going to be used to because watching sports and empty stadiums or empty rinks, empty arenas, it's going to feel like a scrimmage. So it's going to be weird. Yeah. So it's, you know, the, the either the the network or the in-game production crew is either going to have to pump up like ambient sound or music or try to make it somewhat similar to what uh, a game would sound like, say, in 2019. Yeah, no, soccer, they're a little bit more used to this in the sense of, you know, when they have their hooliganism going on, they will sometimes shut out the fans from attending oh, their games. So, right. so, so they've got a little bit of history with that. And the UFC, right before everything sort of shut down, they had a card in Brazil that was like the Saturday of right after the NBA shut down. And they still went ahead with it. They closed the arena out. So it was just personnel and fighters. And it sounded way different. It sounded way different when they were doing the intros, when they were announcing the winners, even like the post-fight call-outs just seemed a little bit weird. But like you said, I believe that's that's going to be the new normal because I can't imagine they start allowing fans into these stadiums until there's some sort of vaccine. Most of these players are, I mean, depending on the sport, coming from different countries, there are still travel bans in place right now sure. where they're not allowing people from other countries to come in. I know the uh, the MLS just put out a, a notice to their players that on May 6th, they can start to go back to their training facilities to get, um, to get started on their training regimens and hoping to start at the beginning of June. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are just, you know, unfortunately affected by this, but the one 
spot of, of, of light, the one, the beacon of light was that we got the Jordan documentary, the, right, the yes. Bulls documentary, the, the last, last dance. dance. Yeah. Uh, like almost a month and a half early. Yeah. And I told myself I wasn't going to watch it until it was finished. Cause I'm fully in binge mode. I love binging things. Like I have two young girls. They go to bed at like seven o'clock at night and then it's binge time for me. But it's just so hard to not get swept up in it when it's just overtaking the world. Because, <laughs> but, but, it, but it's true because, I mean, maybe when you were, you, were a, you were a reporter at the time, you're growing up, you, you remember that Bulls dynasty. Of course. Of in course. sports, we, we suffer from recency bias. And so when you have all of these millennials who didn't see Jordan in his prime, who grew up with maybe the late stages of Kobe, but really more the LeBron style of, uh, of fandom, you get a lot of who's the goat. And we suffer, from, like I said, from recency bias. It's the same thing that Tom Brady went through with Joe Montana. When you compare athletes from different eras, it's just, it's so hard until you get to sort of see them both retire and then you examine their body of work. But to put you on the spot, <clears throat> your greatest of all time, who who is that guy in the NBA? Before I answer that question, I got to ask you: as there was like an illegal stream or like a torrent going around, which had the first eight episodes of the oh, last shoot. dance, because you're in binge mode, did you did you seek out that link or was it sent to you? And if it was, <laughs> did you find it? Did you watch those first eight episodes? Because it's ten, but I heard it was uh, one I cannot confirm or deny anything. Oh um, wow! <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I but I will say that I I had a similar thing happen when the uh, the last season of Game of Thrones came on, and I may or may not have been sent things that had not. It was the first. Yeah, it was the first four. It was the. I, can't, I don't think it was the last season. It was the season bef- the second last season where we got the first four episodes. And again, I can't confirm or deny I watched those either, but I'm just going to say it was great. It was great to know what was happening. <laughs> oh, see, I, I resist because I need, as you, yeah. say, you, you say, you're in, you're in binge mode, and I am too because yeah. Netflix has totally changed our viewing habits. Um, but I resisted. I'm like, I need that on my Saturday, on my Sunday night. Yeah. I need those two hours. And then I watch like uh, Insecure on HBO, but I want to be – like I want to sink into that, and then I want to watch Jalen and Jacoby have a post game with the director Jason Hare. But yeah, I I'm resisting. So to answer your question, I think LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. I just think Michael Jordan is greater, and right. and and I I think that since you're an intelligent person, you can have a nuanced sports conversation and not sure. immediately default to how many rings do they have. Exactly. I like to look at MVPs. I like to look at like all pros or first team, all NBAs, because that, that gives a, a, a better sense of the person's body of work versus just the finals. Right. Um, and then like if you're talking about greatness, like Kareem, Kareem's career was and this is not a pop, this is not a hot take. I'm just saying I wish he got more consideration because Kareem right. in college, I don't think he lost a game. I think there were 77 and 0 at UCLA. Right. Or there was like a three-year stretch where they won three national championships. And then he won six championships in the NBA, one with Milwaukee and five with the Lakers. I mean, this and he's the all-time points leader. 
Okay, so anyway, yeah. LeBron and MJ. LeBron will probably have every important statistical record, right. like points, rebounds, assists, probably triple doubles. Um, and he'll have the, the only thing he won't, he won't have greater than Michael is uh, points per game scoring average. Right. LeBron is naturally a passer. And then he, LeBron probably won't win a defensive player of the year like Michael did in 1987 or 1988, excuse me. But I think, I think LeBron is better because he can do more, but Michael is greater because of what he did in 13 years. But LeBron's still in year 17, and he's an MVP candidate. Legit. It's Giannis and LeBron, and then the rest of the – in year 17, like, his thing, excellence, is just – that really needs to be mentioned and recognized. I, I completely agree with you when, when people – default to okay yeah he was undefeated in the finals six time mv uh finals mvp those are very easy things to sort of say my my school of thought is always let everyone finish their career before we start comparing the end results because you can't compare the end results while someone is still playing because what lebron did with the Cavs, the heat back to the Cavs again as far as his historic finals runs, like that's that's unprecedented in, in today's game. To be able to go on two different teams and continuously make the finals, what was it, eight years in a row? Yeah, that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, and and remember that first team he took to the finals against the uh, Tim Duncan Spurs in 07? Yeah. Like it was I mean, they got swept, but like but like Daniel Gibson, I think was his yeah. other point guard and like Eric Snow was on that team yep. <laughs> and like just like Larry Hughes like who were these guys yeah. that, he, that he put on his back and took to the finals yep. that's I mean MJ MJ tried that but it didn't work until Scotty became Scotty and one and of the I, top 20 greatest players of all time and I think that's one of the things that people are starting to realize now who again didn't grow up with watching Jordan actually playing or at least not the Chicago Bulls Jordan, maybe the Washington Wizards Jordan. <laughs> but they get to see that Jordan needed to be surrounded by the right team in order to be able to take that next step. Jordan was a great player, but he just couldn't get over the hump within his own conference until he got the help of a Scottie Pippen. Yep. Got, yeah. a Dennis, got a Dennis Rodman, got the right coaching in there where he could start to put everything sort of together and understand that there was more than just being the best single player of the 10 guys on the court that you had to be the five best players as a team to beat that other squad that you're going up against. And I think Scotty got a little bit of flack back in the day. And now maybe we're starting to see a little bit better with his relationship with Jerry Krause and why things sort of ended the way that they did in Chicago. But who do you think, so far, and how many legally released episodes have there been? Four. Listen, I, there have been <laughs> four. There've been four. So, so I, I've only watched what has been broadcasted on ESPN. <laughs> so, so okay. So to, to quickly just go back a second, part of the reason that maybe some people might watch it before, and like you said, you know, um, Jacoby and Jalen show do the sort of the breakdown afterwards, is that in Canada it comes a day later on Netflix. Oh, okay. So, That's right. so it gets re released on ESPN Sunday night, 
we have to live with all of that news reporting, all of those clips that are already making it onto the internet. And we have to wait a whole other day before we can start to catch up on, you know, what was broadcasted in the States uh, a night before. So that may be some incentive as to why people may have watched it. <laughs> you know what? I heard, I heard the leak has property of ESPN on it. So I obviously the leak comes from somebody at Bristol and, yeah. Uh, my friend uh, Donovan Bennett, who is a writer and a personality at Sportsnet, said he got uh, screeners from Netflix. And in order to watch the screener from Netflix, you have to they send it to your own personal Netflix account. And you yeah. know, how, like your um, the profile, like your, your little profile avatar that comes yeah. on, on Netflix. There's another a second one that comes on. And that's like the screener profile. So they oh, know damn. exactly when you watch for how long it's like they're collecting data on the screeners <laughs> yeah. as well. So there's no way to share it. So that's how it got. Like, so, you know, that the leak didn't come from Netflix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's interesting. Um, but outside of all Isaiah Thomas, who I want to go into a little bit later, who do you think has looked like the biggest villain so far of the Jordan 97 season? Well, it's, I mean, it's Jerry Krause. It's the, the general manager. I mean, they were able to usurp the villains in, in Detroit, the bad boys yeah. in episode, I guess, four. What was episode four? No, was it episode three? One, one episode was like the Dennis Rodman episode. The other episode yeah. was like the, the bad boy Pistons. But Jerry Krause... You know, as the the general manager who loved to tell people that he assembled a team and organizations win championships, where yeah, that went right up against what Michael said is like, no, it's the players that win championships, not the organization. And Reinsdorf didn't want to renegotiate. Like, you know, Scotty, it was it was interesting to learn about his past and learn about his family. He had eleven brothers and sisters, and he, yep. his father had a stroke, so he was in a wheelchair, and his brother. Got into had an accident. So two yep. people in his home were in wheelchairs. So Scotty seeing that money in 1989 or 1990, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take this deal because I have a family to support, yep. and I need to build my parents a bigger house." And so, I mean, and who would have known that the NBA would have exploded in the Jordan right. era, and all the revenues went up, all the the payrolls went up, and etc. But Reinsdorf was very staunch about not renegotiating a contract until it's over. But as we see in sports, you can start to renegotiate a deal in the final year of the current sign yep. of extension. But I'm not exactly sure of the financial mechanics back in the right. 90s. I just assume that much like football, contracts can always be renegotiated. But evidently it wasn't. I mean, Scotty held out for two months while he was nursing a foot injury. He's like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get uh, healed yeah. on company time, like Shaquille O'Neal did later on, which pissed off Kobe. Yeah. Um, and but I think, I think Jerry Krause is definitely, definitely the villain. I mean, it's easy to look at him and his size, and they call him the Crumb, Crumb Krause or Krause Crumbs or whatever, because <laughs> he had crumbs in his shirt when he was eating a sandwich or pizza or whatever. He's an easy target, but also a worthy target. I mean, they pretty much made him the villain of sp the first space jam. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> yes. And I didn't realize it. Mr. Uh, uh, what's the, yeah. um, what's the character's yeah. name? I can't remember his name, but I mean, it's, it's such a good, it's such a good comparison to see the two. And it's, it's interesting because that's yeah, sort of the, the photos side by side. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
that's sort of the debate when it comes to guaranteed contracts, right? So guaranteed contracts usually are looked at as in favor of the player because you're guaranteed your money, unlike the NFL who has distanced themselves from it but are slowly moving towards it now that players are demanding it. But that's the only few situations where management actually comes out ahead when you have a guy like Scotty who ends up transcending to another level, becomes the second best guy in the NBA, and you have him on the sweetest deal for another year. Those are the kind of things that you don't always get, but when you do, you got to take advantage of it and not renegotiate because you know he's worth exponentially more money. I was just talking to um, so James and Pink's like the other day about it. We were talking about the Jordan documentary. And he was saying that in every sport, in order to have like a sustained, a sustained run, you need cheap superstars. So you For look sure. at Russell Wilson in and the Seattle Seahawks. He was on a rookie deal the two times they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, Scottie Pippen, you know, and uh, I mean, it happens in, I'm trying to think of another, oh, Patrick Mahomes is still on That's his right. rookie his rookie deal and he's about to make serious paper. Steph Curry was, that, that was that was our conversation. Steph Curry, the, the Golden State Warriors would not have been able to go to five straight finals if Steph Curry wasn't on that. It wasn't his rookie deal, but that second deal, four years for 44 million because he had like some ankle, ankle injuries. Yeah, yeah, ankle injuries. But that's what it is. You need like a transcendent star on a cheap deal or an elite level player on yeah. a cheap deal. And then, I mean, with with going to Golden State, I mean, they also benefited from being able to get KD because of the boom in salary cap, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, KD is part of going to a team that can take advantage of it, whereas the, the Oklahoma City Thunder – made one small mistake with James yeah. Harden. Had they waited, they could have had a chance. And who knows what that team really could have done at that point. But James wouldn't have been able to be he wouldn't have been able to become James by by, by being the third option in OKC. One hundred percent. But it would have given Sam Presti an opportunity to potentially win a championship. Yeah, something that that's true. that eludes him. And who knows? I mean you win a championship with that core of roster who knows, maybe you get rid of like a Nick Collison or a Serge Ibaka or, and you try to keep those guys together. I think eventually they lost out on both James Harden and then Reggie Jackson, I believe, also left to go to the Pistons and sign a big right. deal. That's right, yeah. So, so uh, yes, there's always going to be casualties. The Maple Leafs just had that happen with, uh, with JVR. JVR had to go, unfortunately, because they just couldn't pay Tavares. They couldn't ba- pay... Uh, Marner, they couldn't pay Nazem Kadri, and they had to start dealing some of these guys in order to make it work. Agreed, and and um, I think well, they I think they had to send Kadri Bozak to Colorado. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, and yeah, they needed to make space for Nylander, who who was who held out for what yep. four or five months, almost till um, December, and, I think. Yeah, and obviously Matthews and Marner have to get paid. And he, even it was rumored that Marner was going to hold out as well because he is statistically as impressive as as um, Austin Matthews. But yeah, yeah. It, obviously it happens in in every organization. They have to make those tough decisions, and that's where real leadership comes in. So let's say we're six months from now, and everybody, every major sport has – the same opening weekend 
and you can choose Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one night, one sport to watch. How are you spending your weekend during that time? So you can only pick one sport Friday, one sport Saturday, one sport Sunday. It could be the same sports, but everything is on. Oh, okay. I like it. Um, I like it a lot. I'll probably go NBA on Friday. Um, I'll probably watch depending I'd probably watch baseball on Saturday because by then it's probably the playoffs so that's the big stakes so probably getting two games in on the Saturday you're getting like the four o'clock NL NL game and then you're getting the you know the eight o'clock Yankees Astros or whatever the case may be um and then Sunday is obviously football like it's just you know that's that's what it is actually you know what even I might even take a good UFC card over Ooh. base over playoff baseball if if it's the right stars. Like if it's John Jones, right? For me, it's John Jones, Khabib. I sub, I guess Conor McGregor, and then oh. like Weili Zhang. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah, she, yeah. yeah. She, or actually, no. I guess Amanda Newton. I, prefer, I would watch an Amanda Nunes fight over Conor McGregor. And then, then I go McGregor, Whaley, Shane. See, I, I think Amanda Nunes needs the right opponent. If she gets, if it's like Cyborg Nunes too, I'm, I'm with you. I'm putting her maybe ahead of John Jones, the way that that last fight took place. The last fight was amazing with Dominic Reyes. But, but here's the thing. It wasn't the banger that, Amanda Nunes cyborg was right because if you're going to tune into that first thing we've seen John fight Dominic Reyes Tiago Santos we've seen a couple fights where I don't want to say he's losing a step but he's just not the same thing and obviously he has so many out of the octagon issues he's still one of the most talented if not the most talented the most like yeah and, and he doesn't even try. I mean, his whole thing with Daniel Cormier was like, yeah, I was doing drugs. I had no training camp and I still whooped your ass. Yeah. I think he so, said that about Gustafson too. He was like partying in Niagara Falls before he fought <laughs> Gustafson the first time. And that was probably the greatest UFC fight ever. That was incredible. Some people say Gustafson could have actually won that fight. Yeah. 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 So I'm, so I, so I'm on board with, I'm on board with Amanda Nunes. But again, if, when she's not fighting a top opponent, She's just like John, so much better than the rest in in her division and her two divisions. Yes. Then, so you you need the right opponent. But wait, Julian, don't you like watching dominance, or is dominance boring? Like, do you get bored when it was Cleveland versus the Warriors, the Cavs for like the third time or the fourth no, time? No, no, I, I I like, but I like that because even though it's the same teams, they're going toe to toe. Those are the best of the best. So I'm not going to get bored with dominance because they, they won't go back and forth. But, I mean, the OS the OSP versus John Jones fight, that's going back a few years. I don't know if you remember watching that one. It was his first fight back from his big shenanigans, and he didn't really train. He looked no, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, Olivia, what's, a, what's, a, what's a cat? Is it Olvin, from? Olvin St. Preux. Right. Was, he's, uh, is he from, was, it, was he Canadian or, did, uh, or is it friend? I think he's, or was he Haitian? It doesn't matter. Remember. It doesn't matter. I can't remember. But but John Jones being that dominant guy against an OSP, sure you see the dominance, but it's just not the same. But when you get a John Jones, Daniel Cormier, now when we start talking about certain opponents, I'm all in. 
there is, I think UFC with their best card goes toe to toe with any major sporting event. And I'll put that even on the Super Bowl. As much as people love the Super Bowl, I think if you had if you had a similar May 9th card that they're going out with right now, Justin Gaethje versus uh, Tony Ferguson, uh, Dominic Cruz returning from like two years of injury to fate, Henry Cejudo, the Triple C as he calls himself. Right, yeah, yeah. And then there's there's another title fight on there. Um, um, is it say, Francis Nagano fighting? No, but that's not a title fight. No, uh, he's he's fighting he's fighting in, on that card. I believe as well, but there's, I, I thought there was a female, a female title fight. There must be. But, but depending on what it is, if you give me Daniel Cormier, John Jones, you give me Conor McGregor, Habib too. You give me a George St. Pierre versus Matt Sarah, you know, like you give me those guys who go toe to toe and you just put those three guys against the Super Bowl. I'm taking the UFC all day Ooh. and twice on Sunday. <laughs> You know what? I might too. Like if if somehow, like if the Super Bowl doesn't have star power. So just say it's yeah. like Minnesota versus Buffalo. Both pretty good right. teams. Couple yeah. bounces here and there, they can make it. Then I'm like, uh, like oh, Stephon Diggs playing against his old team. That might be interesting playing against right. the Vikings. But like, it needs to be. It needs to be like Rogers, Brady, Breeze. Mahomes, uh, if, if it's if it's Tua Tua uh, Tango Vailoa in the Super Bowl, I'm watching that. But you're right, your point is made about the star power in the UFC versus just an, an everyday Super Bowl. I shouldn't say everyday Super Bowl because it's a Super Bowl, yeah. but a Super Bowl without the star power or the wattage, then I'm, I'm going to watch the UFC because it's going to deliver. Yeah, I think I think matchups make, especially during this time in this example where you have to pick three and everything's all equal. I think matchups play play in everything. Like you get a a LeBron James with the Lakers going up against. I mean, so my preseason pick was Boston Celtics versus the LA Lakers in the NBA Finals. I thought this was going to be the renaissance to go back to an old rivalry, but very different from what we saw with Kobe and and Paul Pierce and KG. You get the young studs and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and they go up against the 17-year vet and JaVale McGee and and Dwight Howard. But wait, wait. there's obviously Anthony (laughs) Davis, who is a top three player. So he's going to be the, I mean, let's not sleep on Alex Caruso either, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So I was I, my, my hopes were that it would be an LA, LA Boston final. Get back to a little bit of of normalcy as to what we're used to, right? Because we're going to see obviously the, the Golden State Warriors aren't going to be in the finals. The Toronto Raptors don't get me wrong; they could very well make it the way that they have definitely transcended after Kawhi Leonard left Toronto. But I just I think that would be great—a great way to start the new decade. You get an old rivalry, but it looks completely different than when you had. Magic and Larry in their prime when you had Kobe in his prime you have somebody who's on their way out in a few years and you have these young hyenas just waiting for an opportunity for the crown <laughs> I like that I mean but don't even sleep on Clippers versus the Bucks or Bucks versus the Lakers you know a Kawhi Giannis rematch yeah. would be amazing I mean Giannis is supposed I mean like Giannis's body and his skill set. Yeah. I guess maybe maybe 
Durant before that, but Giannis is a better defender. But like a seven footer with range, like for sure. that is the prototype in the NBA. And you imagine with five Durants or five Giannis's, that yeah. team is going 80 and two. <laughs> like it's going to be gross whenever that happens. And it's coming. It's going to yeah. come. And then they're going to maybe raise the, the nets to 11 feet and move the three point line back to the half court because it's just going to be unfair and the courts are going to need more space. But. <laughs> It, you know, I'm excited for whatever the future holds in that regard. But I, the, yeah. the Boston LA preseason pick is not a bad one. Yeah, the only reason I won't ever cheer for the Clippers to make the finals is that my dad raised me a Laker fan and then jumped ship to the Clippers when CP3 went there with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Lots I'll never, for, I'll never forgive him for for, <laughs> for doing that. Okay, so. We've talked, we've talked a little bit about UFC, which I really want to get into. We've talked a little bit about The Last Dance. I want to talk to you about football. Okay. And football in the sense of we've had the, the GOAT conversation around Jordan and LeBron. And, I mean, it's still open-ended. Who knows? There could be another guy who sneaks in there at some point. But in, in your mind, in Cabby's mind, who is the GOAT when it comes to the NFL? Oh, see, again, I'm going to use the same qualifier. I think Peyton Manning is a better quarterback than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is greater as far as his achievements than Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning called the games. Like, he was the offensive coordinator. Like, that is unreal, and people don't understand how impossible that is. And he's got five MVPs, and... He's got 57 touchdowns in one season. And, like, you know, Manning is, you know, all, obviously all the audibles and the histrionics and just the way that he <laughs> Omaha, moves. Omaha. Um, yeah, right? And, like, just what, just, I think he was the best. I think skill set Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes will play the position better, but they don't have the stats yet. And yeah. it's a crime that Rodgers has only been to one Super Bowl in his career. It's a crime. Like Mike McCarthy, that should – it should be on his record forever that he, <laughs> he – like, or whoever the GM was that didn't assemble a better team to get Aaron Rodgers more help because he only went to the Super Bowl once. Um, but Brady, obviously, with, with, the, with the cheating in Boston, <laughs> the institutional hey now, hey now. knowledge, listen, it's – Listen, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan, so be careful how you choose your next few words, clearly. <laughs> the history of... Yo, they were recording the St. Louis Rams practice before the Super Bowl. Okay, but, but let's... But recording gonna, the practice? Like, are we, there, where... There, there's... In, in no... <laughs> in no sense of, of um, sportsmanship is that at all, like, acceptable. Recording no. another team's practice. Like, come <laughs> on. That is some low down dirty ish right there. So, and they got so, away with it, kind of. Well, kind of. Um so but are we are we gonna assume that they're the only ones doing this? Man, they were just cheating against the Bengals <laughs> like four months ago, Julian. The that, Bengals? Like they're all oh, we're we're shooting a behind the scenes bubble yeah. ball. Like <laughs> the camera is pointed at the sidelines, like come on. Yeah. Like even, too- even against the Bengals, so you know that. Okay, so we don't know that other teams are not cheating, right? But we but know the Patriots are. We know the Patriots are. It's been documented many times. So I, I have gone on record and said that 
you know, Deflategate, I thought, was like one of the stupidest things that has ever come up. Um, deflated balls. You can make all the jokes you want, but is that really going to impact a game? Wait a second. You got to look at the fumbles that season. They had 100 less fumbles or not um, than the next team. It, so the, because the balls were a little bit softer, the, the receivers and the running back, anybody who caught the ball – held on to it like it was I, I believe it's 100 possessions were 100 more possessions that they kept versus okay i think from it i think it was it was the 2000 what season was that 2014 or 15 was the flake eight or six either way you gotta yeah. look at that year there's i remember listening to the podcast somebody was on Levertard show and maybe it was Seth Wickersham who writes for ESPN, but that covers the Patriots. Like there is some data that supports that that is a distinct advantage, having balls that are softer so that the running backs and the receivers can hold on to them better. Well, I, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up to you. Perfect. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I have gone on record and said that, you know, despite everything that's gone on, yes, I don't agree with Spygate. I thought – that a lot of what they were doing was not above board, but you know, you, you know, you rep your team when you can. But if it if it came out, if it came to fruition that there was a legitimate punishment brought out by the commissioner for what they did against Cincinnati, I was done. Like that was for me. It was enough I don't lying. Know the I can't even remember right they, now. There hasn't. They haven't, and that's the whole thing. So the two worst. Uh, cheating things recently coming out of Boston were the Boston Red Sox with the alleged uh, sign-stealing scandal and then the New England Patriots against the Cincinnati Bengals with their recording. So the Red Sox end up getting a very minimal punishment because they already fired their manager and fired their GM and it was turned out that they weren't, they didn't have as an elaborate cheating scandal as the Houston Astros, the buzzers, you know. But, um, but if they did... It serves baseball nothing to reveal that to the public. For a, sure. there's going to be a little bit of fatigue, but B, you're going to lose even more trust from yep. the fans. And baseball, I don't know if the view, I, don't, I can't remember how the viewership did, but you, you've already lost so much trust with the fans and you don't want to damage the game even further. So it's, so we don't really know because they were, they just, they just said, hey, this is a punishment. Alex Cora is getting, he can't attend uh, playoff games in 2020 for what he did in Houston. Yeah. Um, uh, but we don't, but they didn't, they weren't specific with what they revealed that Boston was doing. Yeah. The only thing that they said was that it was the person who was in charge of the replay room was stealing signs oh, on yes. his own and that there wasn't an elaborate player pitcher scandal the way everything sort of came out with Houston. Cause when he, when it was coming out and alleged by Houston, I mean, they had a player out them a former player out them yeah. that started this whole thing in an article in the athletic yeah the pitcher uh who yeah, went to mike fires mike fires yeah went to pitch for the oakland A's. that's right so but during the whole red sox investigation whether it was ex-players or current players they just said listen when everything comes out everyone will see that this wasn't something that we were doing and they'll see just how big of a farce that it was and so this pandemic really helped ease the bruising towards some of sports biggest cheating scandals because everyone's really paying attention as to when we're going to get sports back sure. and not necessarily when you know a punishment's coming out or what are they going to get penalized who knows if the new england patriots even if it gets brought up again 
we've now seen the Red Sox investigation almost two months after it concluded that you saw results that didn't really matter, didn't mean anything. And the Houston Astros, well, I mean, they're continuing to get plunked during video games where teams are going up against them. (laughs) It's one of the funniest things that you can see. But they say time heals all wounds, and I feel like this is one of those things that has definitely helped ease baseball. And they could have easily suffered after what happened in 94 with the player strike. They definitely could not afford to lose more fans this time. They're already going to lose out on fans attending games till probably next year. Yeah, and they need to figure out ways to keep 15-year-olds and 21-year-olds and 25-year-olds tuned in, dialed into the game because the game is so slow and it's boring. Basketball and hockey are much faster games and there's just much more engagement with the fans uh, of those particular sports. One of the cool things that they did this year was that they got young players from each of the teams to represent themselves on MLB The Show. I don't. Did you did you see the players no, league? No, I didn't. So each um, each major league baseball team had one player that was going to represent them in a league, a player league only that was streamed on Twitch, and so basically they were streaming these games, and it came down to I can't remember who the last six were, but shout out Bo Bichette for the Toronto Blue Jays who was just smashing dudes Amazing. on the show. Nice. Um, but that, that's one way when, when they're looking at getting young stars and young people, you know, the internet video games, it's, it's definitely the way to, to go. That's what everyone has always said, you know, don't stay inside. Don't play video games. You're going to get fat. It's going to eat your brain up. <laughs> and now they're saying people don't go grocery shopping. Don't go to the mall, stay in and play as many video games as you possibly can, because we need to, to do this. And now they're going to generate way more eyes when it comes to things like e-gaming or e-sports. You know, I've been hearing that for a while, but esports hasn't. Maybe now it will it will start to cross over, and it's esports is huge in its own right, but it just hasn't it hasn't hit the mainstream yet. Like it's just like gamers aren't. Let's see, gamers aren't necessarily sports fans. No, it's the other way around. Sports fans. Yep. aren't necessarily gamers. Actually, well, gamers aren't really necessarily sports fans either. Like, if you're playing Call of Duty or you're playing League of Legends, like, you're not necessarily playing Madden or NBA right. Um But I did want to make one, one point about your um, talking about, like, the cheating scandal. Yeah. Had we not been in a pandemic, then baseball may have led a nightly sports center because it would be of interest to see how many times Carlos Correa or George Springer or Jose Altuve are getting hit per game. There were betting lines um, on the over-unders. And like, I think it was 90, there are 162 games. So it was, I think it was 83 or 84 times players get hit on the Astros. And I was going to put the money on the over. Like, oh, of 100%. I'm taking the over like all day every on Every series, the first, first couple of batters, Again, hit, and then the, the guys on the other teams just pull together a fine to pay the fine for the pitcher yeah. that, that hits it. Or you just call up guys from the minors to do yeah. the throw one inning, plunk a guy, get sent back down to the minors, and the boys will pay your fine. So that would have been really fun to watch. Uh, but who, who knows if, if baseball is going to capture the attention of, of the public um, the way that it would have um, with this frigging cheating scandal. Uh, pre-pandemic and there was I mean 
again, like you said, the pandemic came at a good time. There were reports coming out of Seattle from the third base coach, and I can't remember what he was a former ball player, but his son was saying that Seattle, the Mariners were actually doing something very similar to what the Astros were doing. They just never got caught for it. And then even went as far to allege that Mike Trout had an exemption for um, TRT, so uh, testosterone replacement therapy because he got some sort of leak exemption. And there was a whole bunch of dirt that was like just bubbling under the surface that yeah, never, that never really took that step to yeah. hit the mainstream, but it was there. It was, it was definitely, if it was definitely there and baseball would have been in very big trouble because they've been pushing my trout as their, as their poster boy, as their clean guy for the last few years they're hoping that he's going to be that guy for the next decade or so. And he's not interested in being that at all. Manfred, no, no. it's like you got the younger guys got to work with us. They got to be on social media. They just got to take cues basically for the NBA because NBA is a star driven league and it does. They do it the best. It's the stars first, the game second. Hockey goes opposite the game first, the stars second. And we see where hockey is, but that is, yeah, that, that would be interesting if someone were to uncover. Now, now you're saying that it is something I do remember something vague about Mike Trout or the the third base coach from the Mariners. There's their kid. I can't. And it was someone that was like that had a name. Like it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not Edgar Martinez, but someone who you recognize yeah. as their kid. And yeah, I gotta I gotta do some some <laughs> digging on that just as just as a refresher. Yeah. Now, staying on the topic of Mike Trout for one second, is there a player? In across all sports, that compares to Mike Trout in the sense of the team just never built itself into a contender around such a, a strong talent. Do you remember any other players or or teams that either never made the playoffs or never had a chance to win a championship because their team just never built around that talent? Wow. I know it's, it's tough to think off the top of the head with that one. I mean... The argument for Aaron Rodgers being only to one isn't necessarily about the team surrounding him because he was—he's been surrounded by some star-caliber players. Has he though? Like who else? Who's going to the Hall of Fame? Who, who is it? Clay Matthews? Is he going mm. to the Hall of Fame? Rod <laughs> on defense. Rod? Uh, not Rod. Uh, um, Woodson. Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. Charles, yeah. Woodson, Charles yeah. Woodson's going to the Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah. I mean, and you can argue that that defense won them that championship, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, against the, the Steelers that year? Yeah. Um, yeah. That defense was stacked. Yeah, they were legit. They were legit. Defense wins championships, as they say. <laughs> uh, I, and which I believe. I'm not even making fun of that, which I believe. Or, or recorded practices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you raise a great point about Mike Trout. Mike Trout hasn't even won a playoff game. Not a yeah. playoff game. So, um, yeah, that, I don't, I don't think for someone of his talent and caliber, I can't think of a pro, uh, a proxy or someone in recent memory that that has um, has so little t- uh, help around him. I guess it would, maybe it's Michael Jordan. To, if we can bring it back to the beginning, where we're talking about the right. last dance, maybe it was Michael Jordan, way back in like nineteen eighty eight or whatever it was. 
Well, Cab, I don't want to keep you any longer because this this has been fun, and I hope that you'll come back and, and do it again sometime. For sure. Hopefully, hopefully when I'm rocking my Bleacher Report. There you go. Hoodie, Let's get you on, Julian. Happy hours. Yes, sir. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you doing this, and uh, thank you very much. And keep doing the amazing work. Uh, BR betting, uh, so Bleacher Report betting. Um you're, you're the man. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate you having me on the Big O Podcast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks. Thanks.